Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to the Indie Film Hustle Podcast, episode number 189. Success and failure are equally disastrous. Tennessee Williams. Broadcasting from the back alley in Hollywood, it's the Indie Film Hustle Podcast, where we show you how to survive and thrive as an indie filmmaker in the jungles of the film biz. And here's your host, Alex Ferrari. Welcome, 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 my indie film hustlers, to another episode of the Indie Film Hustle Podcast. I am your humble host, Alex Ferrari. Now, today's show is sponsored by taylorsound.com. One of the most complicated problems I've had in my professional career is sound and sound mixing, sound design is generally always very expensive, but Taylor Sound has come onto the scene and has done something pretty incredible. Like so many other things you have in the world today, now you can get your sound design online. They're offering flat promotional rates for commercials, music videos, short films, and any other video content that's short form. They're very affordable, and because you are an Indie Film Hustle Tribe member, will get 15% off your order. Just type in the word hustle in the post your brief section. That's T-A-I-L-O-R sound.com. So today is a first for the Indie Film Hustle podcast. I have a good friend of mine named Dave Bullis, who is a prolific podcaster like myself and hosts an amazing filmmaking podcast called The Dave Bullis Podcast. He's very creative that way. And he came to me and wanted to share a story with the tribe. Uh, he said, look, man, I made a huge, monstrous amount of mistakes making my pilot, my television pilot called Game Over. And I wanted to share with your tribe how not to make a television pilot and all of the mistakes he made and everything. I was like, well, no one's really ever offered to do that. I did that in a prior episode about how not to shoot a $50,000 short film, but I've never had a guest come on saying, hey, I made a whole bunch of mistakes. I want to tell you guys how I what I did and share that with you guys so you don't have to do the same thing. So as you know, I love this kind of stuff. So I wanted to give you as much of the truth of this industry as possible. And Dave has been so gracious and brave to come out and just, just lay himself out there like Mel Gibson and brave her at the end, right before they disembowel him. Um, he just kind of puts it all out there for everybody to see uh, warts and all. And I am infinitely grateful for Dave for his sharing his journey. And a lot of the things that we're talking about for this TV pilot easily translates to feature films, short films, web series, anything else you're doing that's in production. A lot of these uh, mistakes can be avoided in all of those different kind of formats. So 
Prepare to take some notes because this is a doozy. Enjoy my conversation with Dave Bullis. I'd like to welcome to the show the legendary Dave Bullis. <laughs> How you doing, legendary? Dave? <laughs> legendary. Legendary. I, I, you're a friend, so that's why I call you legendary. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I, Alex, it is really good to be here. You and I have been friends for, for years now. You know, and It really is it's good to finally come on here, and I thank you for having me on. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, you mean, uh, Dave, for everybody listening, Dave has an amazing podcast as well. Um, very humbly called the Dave Bullis podcast, um, and <laughs> and uh, he he has a he's his, he's prolific. Uh, he he's he's got a lot of episodes out there. He's got a lot of great interviews as well. So I'll put links to to his podcast in the uh, in the show notes. But today we're here because it was a very unusual request. Uh, Dave reached out to me and said, "Hey, Alex, would you like to do a podcast interviewing me, telling people how not to shoot a pilot?" And I said, sure. <laughs> um, you know, because I did that before with my episode on how not to shoot a short film, $50,000 short film. But I would never ask anyone to go like, hey, you really didn't do well on that project. Can you tell us how you did it specifically? <laughs> like, it's not something I would do. So the audience knows I did not request this. Dave approached me with it. And I'm like, well, it'd be a great learning experience. I want to know what you did wrong. I want to know what, you know, and, and I think a lot of people listening will will hopefully find some some solace in what you have to say. Um, but first and foremost, Dave, why did you want to do this? Well, it, it's because I'm actually going to end up releasing it uh, mm-hmm. onto YouTube. And basically, I just wanted to talk about, you know, all the things that have happened with it. I mean, for a while, it sat on a hard drive and, and did absolutely nothing. I, it, it just sat there uh, almost like the proverbial redheaded stepchild. Uh, um, so yeah. <laughs> everyone, he's redheaded. Speak, yeah, speaking from from experience, if they, you know, um, so basically what happens was it just laid there on a hard drive doing absolutely nothing. And every so often I would get a, legitimately I would get an email. Like, hey, you know, whatever happened to that 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 thing you were doing? Because you and people who listen to the podcast, they hear me talk about it from time to time. Well, I actually ended up um, meeting a couple people, and I actually started telling them about it. And these are people who are managers out in LA, and you know, I was just talking to them, you know, basically off the cuff. This wasn't like a, like a serious pitch meeting or anything. And they were like, "Wow, that sounds pretty interesting. Is it done? Like, where is it? You know?" And I said, ah, "It's on my hard drive." You know, and they unanimously said you should really get that back up and just post it with everything else you're doing what's the harm now yeah hey, absolutely. You know if, if it's terrible they said you know who cares because you're going to have a bunch of other stuff that you know you've done later on and say hey look i improved and or, or vice versa at least get some eyes on you and i mean i've seen other filmmakers recently you know who've just put stuff up there and you know they they've gotten just you know different people. It it doesn't it, it's not a mean it's a means to an end. You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's to get your foot out there. And plus, you know, if there's one thing I know about uh, Alex, it's being mediocre. So, <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So so what's the name of the sh- the 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 pilot? Game over. Game over. Very uh very very good name. Very good name for, for very um poetic. <laughs> yeah, thank you. It, it was it was over before it began. <laughs> so tell me. So so take us take us through the journey. Tell weave the tale. What? How did the project come to be? Okay. So um, basically, here the in about two thousand nine, I actually had this idea that I'd been playing around with for probably for a few years. Um, I actually used to work at a GameStop. Do you know what GameStop is, Alex? I do, sir. Yes, it's still <laughs> around. It's still around. I worked at video stores, but I do know what a GameStop is. 
Yeah, yeah, there is there is some overlap there, but uh, you know, because like uh, it, you know, working at uh, th- those types of game stores, you know, I- I've met different people along the way, and you know, we we always trade stories. But anyways, I'm sorry, I'm getting off a little topic. Mm-hmm. But what happens is with um, when I worked at, the, at you know, I worked at GameStop. And I always had these ideas in my head. I'm like, you know what? I should just do something with this. You know, I, I had an idea that I'm playing, kicking around. So I actually made a couple of short films. And finally, I said, you know what? If I can make a 25, 30-minute film, hell, I can make a TV pilot. And I saw what always It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia did. Mm-hmm. They made a pilot for like, I think it was like five bucks. And they pitched it to FX and said, this is what it could be like. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and you know, they eventually FX picked it up, et cetera. So I started to formulate this idea. Along the way, um, you know, I've picked up a couple of different people I've wanted to work with, uh, picked up a couple of people I, I uh, you know, picked up who I thought were going to add something to it. Uh, we ended up pitching it to the, like, number two, number three biggest video game distributor in America, uh, mm-hmm. a video game store called GamerDoc. Mm-hmm. Um, they absolutely loved it. I actually had a chance to pitch to the president of the company. Mm-hmm. He actually personally called me, loved it. Um, long story short, they Long story short, they backed out. Uh, I then pitched it to an independent game store. Uh, he loved it. Long story short, he backed out. Uh, I then got to shoot it at a multi-million dollar studio they just built here, right down, right in Philly. It's actually in Aston, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. I'm actually from Aston, by the way, Alex. Mm-hmm. I know I, I, I tell everyone I'm from Philly, but mm-hmm. you know nobody knows where Aston is. Yeah, I say <laughs> I'm from Miami, but I'm I'm really from Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> so. Well, see, I, I actually know what Fort Lauderdale is. Like Aston, I, people go, "What the hell is that?" I go, "It's right by Philly." Oh, okay. Yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> so, so I uh, and uh, they just built this studio, and I was able to not only film it there but hold auditions there. Oh, and uh, right after us, after Earth was, was literally filming right where we were. Um, with with M Night Shyamalan, yeah, they built that for they built that for M Night. I, I know people in Philly. They're like, yeah, they they basically built the entire film industry around one director, and it didn't go well originally. Yeah. When we were shooting there, this is a funny yeah. little story. We were I was there with my one of my producers, really good guy named Chris Pirminico, really really sweet guy. Mm-hmm. And um, in walks a bunch of people, and I'm like, what the hell is this? It was all of the crews. For like the Born Supremacy, mm-hmm. um, World War Z was around that time. Mm-hmm. There were all these crews that were they were in the area looking for for stuff, and they came to Sun Center to look to, to think about shooting on the two main sound stages. Well, we we shot we were all, we were on the property right next to this the, to the big to the first sound stage. Well, people would walk in, they were like, "Oh, did a video game store used to be here?" And I said, "Yes, got them." So if the Hollywood people who who have millions of dollars could be, you know, sort of fooled by what I pulled together with like nothing. Mm -hmm. I was like, hell yeah, we got it. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now, back to the show. So... That was actually one of the really cool moments. And then after, you know, we filmed it. Um, oops, sorry, did you hear that? Did the books finally fall on you? No, my, uh, my shade <laughs> just fell down. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's all good. Ed, sorry, edit that out. Okay. Um, but, um, we don't edit here, sir. Everything just flows. <laughs> Man, that, that was, uh, yeah, the books didn't fall on me, thank God. By the way, just so, so everybody knows, every time I see Dave when we Skype, uh, he's got uh, just piles. It's like a hoarder's kind of books piling, hoarders. <laughs> like hoarders. But then he's got like, you know, Macho Man and a couple of, you know, WWF, you know. But at any moment, you just feel like, oh, my God, that thing's going to just fall on him and kill him. So when that <laughs> fell, I autom- automatically thought. Anyway, we digress. Continue, sir. <laughs> yeah, fear for my safety, everybody. It's, uh, <laughs> I'm a hoarder of books. But uh, so after we were able we, – we shot it at, on this uh, on this soundstage. It, it worked out beautifully. It was like serendipitous. Um, mm-hmm. That's the word that other people were using. I was in all the local Philly papers. Um, like, oh, Dave's the you – know, how did he pull this off? That was a question I got asked a lot. And as soon as it was over, um, a lot of fallout happened um, be- between myself and um, somebody who was trying to claim uh, ownership of the project – uh, between myself, uh, but and not, and not only was just between myself, but there was other problems that had boiled over with other members of the crew and cast and stuff like that. Um, and I kind of had put out a lot of fires, which is really time consuming. And also it was really like I was getting pulled in all directions. And I actually uh, edited the thing after I got and I got a full time job right around this time. So, so I, I started. So stop for a second. Let's go back for sure. a second. So you're. You're being – other people are coming out and there's problems starting to be created, which none of this sounds new to me. I've had this happen on me at my projects early on and, and all this stuff. So other people were coming out t- trying to take credit. It, did you not have contracts? Did you not have agreements uh, in place? Oh, I, I did. And here's the, here's the, the kicker to all this. So I'll just take a huge step back. When I first started doing this, um, I, I had contracts with everybody. Everyone who had to come on had a contract. Mm-hmm. One guy – one guy refused it, and he said, this is Philly. We don't sign contracts. Who cares? I said, well, I said, you're leaving yourself at risk. I said, oh, you know, well, as soon as we – as soon as GamerDoc joined up, he, like, snapped. He was like, oh, my God, how – you know, you were taking this and that. This guy approached me to just read the script and give feedback. Mm-hmm. There was no mention of any of this other stuff. Well, the first thing he had asked for was he had asked for a couple of amenities. I de- I declined them. I mean, this got into a messy, messy. I got a lawyer. He got a lawyer, and I oh said, he, uh, and and here's the well, the, the first lawyer was like, look, she goes, I, I she goes, I, I don't. Well, I got bad legal advice from her at the end. Mm-hmm. The second lawyer I got was like, you know, 
Can I curse on this, Alex? I, I prefer not. But okay, I'm sorry. I'm we, sorry. We can. We can I, if an F word, if F bomb drops by, that's fine. But I'm trying to keep it. I'm trying to keep it cleaner these days. Oh, I'm sorry. So, because you know, I'm from Philly. We we curse. Like I curse a, too. Look, I've had episodes. <laughs> I've cursed like a sailor. But if you can, if an F bomb drops, it's okay. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll try to refrain. So uh, basically, this, my second lawyer was like, "Screw this guy. Mm-hmm. He doesn't own anything." So um, we basically booted him from the project, and he tried to come back in and say, "Well, I'm owed this and I'm owed that." And finally, I was like, "You know, I don't know if a single." Everyone was like, "Is this guy insane?" And I said, "Yes, he's fucking insane." I'm sorry. See, I already said it. I'm okay. sorry. It's all good. Go ahead. Uh, continue. Uh, continue. <laughs> so I said, "Yes, he is absolutely insane." And, um, and we were so, it was such a, a deep, deep web and it, all this, all this started from two things. And so this is how I failed by doing this. And I want everyone to, to learn from this. I don't care if you're doing a project that's everyone's working for free and you're just doing this for the hell of it. Mm-hmm. And just for the fun of it, you, everyone has to sign a contract. Yeah. I don't care who it is. Well, when this guy refused, I mean, I just, you know, I was like, Hey, it's on you, buddy. No, so you should have just saw, said no. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when when he said, well, because he wanted to come on, because he wanted to learn, he said. He wanted to learn how everything, because he saw, like, what we were putting together. And slowly but surely, he was trying to ask for, like, a co-producer credit. He was, uh, trying, to, he was kind of trying to get a co-director credit. And I, and I would co-director. say, Co-director. No. Wow. And, and here's the kicker, too. He would call me up, and he would say two things to me every single time. Every time he called me up, he would say how talented he was. And also how much he hated my one of my producers, which uh, every time and I would say, is do you have like a, a problem or something with him? Tourette's like, like is, a Tourette's. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I you know what I think it was. Um, I years a- after this all happened and we had this falling out and all of this stuff kept happening. We were always trying to save the project. My one producer and I and my one producer and I was would always say, you know, he he's he's a. I don't want to sound like I'm bagging on religion, but he's he's a Christian, and it always comes out that he likes to help humanity, you know. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't he he is the a higher fast fire slow mm-hmm. type of guy, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that sort of was always, hey Dave, let's just ignore him. He doesn't get involved in anything. And suddenly, you know, he and I were at odds because I wanted to just get rid of this guy, and. It's just again, we're here. We are. We're not. We're instead of worrying about producing the 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 short here or producing the TV pilot, we're sitting here talking to lawyers about going through over emails and going over all this other stuff, all because he said he was going to sue us if we went ahead with this. And now I'm sitting here going, this can't be happening. <sighs> How does this guy? So eventually, so all this all of this stuff would have been completely taken care of if he would have signed an agreement, or you would have just took, gave him his walking papers the second. He did not want to sign anything. Yeah, because the, the, then the, the, the time he didn't want to sign anything, it wasn't a big deal at that point. Like I, I was just like, hey, it's on you, dude. It's and never a I, big deal at the beginning. It's yeah, always right. a big deal when, when you win the Oscar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When, when, that, when, when GamerDoc signed on, that's when everything changed. Well, when they backed out, I said, hey, look, you know what? It, it, we don't have it anymore, so it doesn't even matter anymore. Mm-hmm. The independent game store came on, and then they basically they wanted to, you know, they were going to give us a little bit of money, not much at all. And um, see, GamerDoc was cool, Alex, because they were going to let us use a store. They were going to give us ten thousand dollars to to just get, uh, work on the project, mm-hmm. um, and they were going to give us a couple other amen- amenities. Mm-hmm. This this little independent one was like, we can't, you know, he's like, I don't have anywhere near the reach that they have. And um, the reason, by the way, that GamerDoc dropped out was because they really just they said. 
I'm going to be honest with you, Dave, we don't have the extra money. Mm-hmm. And that's a bad sign if you can't find $10,000 out of your marketing budget to mm-hmm. put something towards something new and fresh. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm just going to say, and, uh, you know, there's not too many gamer docs around anymore. But mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right, so, right. Uh, so then we go to the Zittle Independent Store. I actually found him. I actually emailed him and I said, this is what it is. And he said, sure, you know, I'd love to do it. He actually, um, this is again a little tip from from me to your audiences. When you when you pitch locations, don't be surprised when they back out. Even when they, everything seems like it's peaches and cream and everything seems like it's going right, I was actually bringing him a contract to sign just to, you know, for the location. Mm-hmm. I had a copy of our insurance bond. Mm-hmm. I had everything. And he goes, uh, I called him. I said, I'm, I'm coming up now. And he goes, oh, yeah, actually, he's like, uh, I can't actually let you film here anymore. And I said, what happened? And he just was real aloof about it. I have a feeling that somebody along the lines told him, oh, these guys are ripping you off or something like that. Yeah. Or some friend got in his ear. And, you know, now I'm just I said to him, I said, well, you won't even let me help you out. And he goes, I don't want to be stuck babysitting you guys. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh, here we go. So I just said, you know what? I'll talk to you later when, uh, when, when you you're, you settle down. Because again, I always try to kill with kindness, even when I when I even when I'm clearly in the right. And he he emailed me later, and he was like, no, I, it's never going to happen. He goes, you can't film here. So wow. by chance, I was at the Pennsylvania Film Industry Association meeting, which is Pafia, and I was at a table, and we were just there for this uh, producer was in town. Uh, I forget which producer it was, but. Uh, so by, by just by chance, guess who sat at my table, but um, but uh, Mr. Mr. Rotwit, who owns, who is a CEO of Sunset Studios. Mm-hmm. So I actually shake his hand. We get to talking and he goes, oh, you know, this sounds cool. This and that and gives me his card. He says, call me anytime. Well, I needed some help. I reached out. He goes, you can have your auditions here. Reached out to him again after um, the gamer doc and then uh, the independent uh, store uh, dropped back out. Said, you know what, you can film here. We we redid a bunch of stuff. We offered a lot of value to him because not only did we get a ton of freaking press, but we also fixed up this one area that, that uh, hadn't been fixed up yet. And I'm going to give you some photos, Alex, to check out of how we actually fixed it up mm-hmm. from like almost nothing from like, an, it was just so, like a cement slab right. to deck set decorating the whole area. So how much, so where's the money coming from for all of this? Uh, so the money is coming from a couple different areas. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now back to the show. Um, the first thing we did was um, I just basically started using my own cash. Uh, no credit cards, nothing like that. And what I was doing, and so the, the auditions were free, I believe, or maybe like 100 bucks. And uh, to pay for the cost, we also crowdfunded it. And this is when Indiegogo was first started and it, nobody knew what the hell it was. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you know, you could, I mean, my God, I mean, I think we were actually on the front page for a while. I, I, don't, <laughs> I, I don't know, maybe right. because there was nobody else. There was nobody else on there. It was like, right. it was like a ghost town, you know? And then all of a sudden now everybody has a crowdfunding <laughs> campaign, but you know, you, uh, well, back in those days, like people were like, what is this called? What issues? You know, people were like, what, what is this? Like, yeah, yeah, am yeah. I buying equity in the project? No, mm-hmm. it's crowdfunding. And even my producers were like real skeptical about doing it. Mm-hmm. And, and eventually we also opened up a PayPal. The PayPal account got blocked by, uh, because they thought it was a scammer, a scam because game over was, uh, the name of, uh, was, was so, some uh, scam that was going around. So they blocked it. <laughs> like, what the hell is this? And I had to call. I mean, like Alex, I'm telling you, there were so many times where I was like, what the hell am I doing to myself? Like, why am I subjecting myself to this? And so finally, so how much, how much cash was, how much cash did you put into this then? After all is said and done around, I'd say about 10 to 12,000 out of your pocket. Uh, well, some was crowdfunded, some out of my own pocket. Um, we got donations through PayPal. So I would say more like, 40 to 50 out of my own pocket, and then you know, the other half through uh, donations and stuff like that. Wow, man. That's still a lot of cash. Yeah, I know. It's still a lot of cash. Uh, I don't know what the hell I was thinking. I was yeah. young, Alex. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. Hey. Um, but <laughs> I mean, I spent, I spent 50, so <laughs> multiple times in my career. So <laughs> I've, I've learned. I've learned not to do this anymore. <laughs> oh, seriously, man. Uh, it's, uh, and, and the thing was, we got – so people usually ask how I got all the props, and I'm going to tell you exactly how I got all the props. Number one was right down the street from Sun Center was a blockbuster that was going out of business. Mm-hmm. I walked in, and I started talking to the people who were, who were basically you know, gutting the store, mm-hmm. and she goes, you can buy whatever you want. And she goes, uh, but you'll have to take it out of here. She goes, I can't help you with anything. We bought the counter. Mm-hmm. We bought the the, the signs. <laughs> right, right, right. We bought all the racks. Nice. And um, yeah, and we bought a lot of like the empty cases for games and stuff like that. And I think that whole thing, I honestly think it came to like two hundred bucks, maybe at most. Oh Jesus! Then, a counter yeah. for under? Geez, they just wanted to get it out there, I guess. Yeah. Oh, what well, what well, well, we actually said, I actually, and here's a here's another thing was, I actually said to the to the location to the building manager, I actually knew him. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, how about this? How about I film in there? You leave it up, and after it's done, we'll break it all down. And he goes, Dave, I, I wish I could say yes, but there's businesses in, in, uh, that are still around. And if you guys disrupt them in any way, yeah. they're going to come to me and say, what the hell are you doing? You know what I mean? And I, I still 
I, I don't buy that argument from him because it was on the end and it was away from every other place. Eh, like, it doesn't it, matter still. I get it. I get his pers- – I get completely 100% get his point of view. It's a liability that he doesn't want to deal with. I get it. It makes sense. But yeah, yeah I, 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 I get you. I get you. But it, yeah, but it, there's no – it's not a win-win for him at this point in the game. So, but anyway, regardless. So you got, you got this insane production value because you bought everything for a couple hundred bucks. And you start building it out into, into this uh, amazing location, studio that you got. Did you pay anything for it or just a little bit? We paid a little bit. And I mean, he charged us, I think, a minuscule amount. Actually, that's where we're probably, it was like $250, $300 a day. Mm-hmm. That's nothing. <laughs> yeah, I know. That is nothing. I know, right? It's like nothing. That's a gift. That's a gift. All right. So you do all that. So now you've got, you've got some further production going on. How are you? So you're starting production. How many days did you shoot, by the way? We shot for four. Four days. Now, please, you start on a Friday. Uh, who's the director? I'm the director. You're the director. Okay. Yes. How did that go? <laughs> uh, it actually went a lot better than the rest of the story. Okay. So now, um, not, I'm not, and I'm not making fun of you as a director, but I, I know some of the things that happened to you as a director. <laughs> so that's why I was I was being a little sarcastic with the question. Well, so y- y- tell me. Well, here, here's the thing. It was the best cast I've ever directed. I'm going to be honest with you. Okay. It, it, they Great. were some really good people. Mm-hmm. The problem I had mm-hmm. was that people kept coming up to me and asking me to solve production problems. And I said, guys, I don't know why. Because, I mean, okay, I'm going to toot my own horn here. Because people would always say to me, like, Dave, you're a great problem solver. Like, you can solve a problem like that. And I said, hey, that's, I, I, you know, I really appreciate that, but I'm not wearing the producer hat right now. I'm wearing the director hat. You're supposed to solve this. And it was like, it was just unbelievable. And I'm going to tell you where it kind of came to a head. And I'm going to, a uh, little funny story. We were, this is the second day, which was the worst day of all filming was that second day. Because mm-hmm. that first day, Alex, I'm going to be honest with you, I, I was finally a little happy. I was like, oh my God, this is actually coming together. Mm-hmm. Holy crap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That second day, it all just got torn down and burned and, and, and everyone just kicked ashes onto me. So basically, the second day ended with me and my producer getting into an argument in front of everybody. She, she came on to set. I, she, I, I kid you not, dressed as the black swan in full makeup and I was just like, first, the first thing Why? I said to her was, well, I said to her, I go, she comes in and tells me how unprofessional that this day has been. And she just starts harping on me. And I lost my mind. So, and all right. I, so, so, so stop for a second. So, cause I, I, I want, I, because there's just too much. It's just like a machine. It's like a Gatling gun going on here. There's just too much stuff coming at you. And I want the audience to understand, cause I'm here to kind of, to, to, to highlight the lessons of what went wrong and what you could have done differently. From my point of view, at least. So, okay, so day one, you're the director. Uh, you didn't have a proper first AD or a professional first AD and or line producer to handle the production problems. Is that correct? Well, they, he actually was solved the first day. Um, I did have a first AD. He wasn't like a pro first AD. Mm-hmm. But, but him and my producers, it was more of my actual producers, producers coming in and being like um, – you know, oh, blah, blah. So that, that's what I was referring to. So the producers that you had on board, I'm assuming this was not their, this was their kind of first barbecue? No. They, so these are professional producers. They've done other things in the past. Yes, sir. 
So then was it that they felt that for whatever reason they could push you around as a director because you were kind of a first time director? Well, here, here's actually, this is what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, I, and this is a lesson for everyone out there. Just because somebody has a credit in something does not mean they actually did it. <laughs> Very much true, sir. <laughs> yeah, I could I could put myself on IMDb that I worked on Avengers, but I, it ain't the truth. So, <laughs> I, I, I mean, and 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 not to harp on or, or down crowdfunding, but I see people who are getting like, oh, we'll make you a, a producer if you give me a thousand bucks. Oh yeah, and they get and they get this credit, and then like they go around saying, hey, I produce this or this. But but then they try to do go on set to actually do producers' jobs, yeah. he, and it hits them like a frying pan in the face, man. They're like, "What the hell am I oh, doing?" Oh, I've had those guys. Ooh. <laughs> oh, or early on, I had to. God, I could tell you stories. But yes, that's absolutely true. People say they're producers and say they're first ads and say they're dps, and you put the pressure on them, and they just crack. And yeah. until you are as a director or as a filmmaker can tell what that is that only takes time that takes time you got to build that that kind of radar up to like smell like this guy doesn't know what he's doing or this person doesn't know what they're doing but yeah so so go ahead yeah and and really that does help too alex because you start to understand just by the things that people say Mm -hmm. and just how they act even when you meet them at like a networking party whatever you start to see who the professionals are and who really you know i mean thank god for social media because social media especially facebook you know how many people that I was going to work with who I go on their feed and it's just they're ranting and raving and, and they're, they're, they're just throwing people in the mud? At least when I do it, it's funny, Alex. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but I mean, all, all kidding aside, it's just like I, I sit there and I go, why would I ever work with this person? So it, it, it's just stuff like that that I see. And I'm like, you know, thank God for Facebook. I thought I'd never say that, but mm-hmm. thank God for Facebook. So as, as just to continue my story about that second day, um, that basically is to the point where um, I actually took uh, everyone out, like all my producers out, and I was like, we got we to gotta talk. And this one guy who had the most set experience out of anybody was like, he goes, I was ready to follow you out. He goes, I thought you were going to kill all three of your producers in one foul swoop. He goes, I've never seen somebody so angry before. And mm-hmm. I was like, really? He goes, your face was as red as a tomato. And I said, I, I, and I with the hair and the hair, it must have been a sight. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now back to the show. I look like the heat miser <laughs> from, uh... from, in it, from uh, Inside Out. 
Yeah, the, the right? anger dude. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, the angry. By the way, do you know, somebody got me that doll for Christmas the other year? Of, with of the, course uh, they did. Anger emoji. Of course. And, uh, <laughs> of course they did. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? Yeah. Right. You so, sound. Uh, you sound so pleasant. I've never seen you angry, so you've always sound very pleasant to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's I, I try to be. You know, I mean, I, I, this is what I am. I, I always want to be a nice guy and joke around and make a lot of jokes. But I mean, I everyone has a limit. I've learned. I mean, as you've learned in life, Alex, even yeah. even people who seem like so quiet and nice, they have a limit. And then it's like, boom. And that's what happened here. And plus, you got to remember too. I was dealing with all that BS from that guy who was mm-hmm. trying to sue me. Mm-hmm. So like I needed like, I, and I was just like, it kept going more and more. It was like Michael Douglas from falling down. I was like, I just, I just <laughs> want a burger. <laughs> God. Uh, that was a great movie. I love that movie. That's such a great movie. So also, didn't you have a new DP introduced that day? Yeah. Well, here's the, this is the, the, the kookiness of my ever evolving crew. I would turn around and there would be another person like just on on crew and I'm like who are you? And they'd be like, hey Dave, I'm the, I'm the I'm the whatever. I'm like, how did you get on here? I said, are you on the? So I'm sitting there going, are you on the insurance bond? Do they know you're here? And and you know stuff like that. And uh, basically, she was going to take over as as DP. And I said, oh okay. I because the other DP was still there, by the way, which was even kookier. Okay, so said, okay, okay, okay. This is not just getting crazy. First yeah, of yeah, all, so I mean, you hired the DP, right? Yes, exactly. Yes. So then, who said that this other person was going to become the DP? Was there a problem on the first day with the other DP? No, he he actually said it, and the reason he said it because I actually asked him about it. Well, he was like, "She's so talented." He goes, "She's way more talented than I am." And I said, "I have." So I pulled him aside. I said, "Number one, I've never seen her work." Number two, oh my God. Has she, she has no clue of what the hell we're shooting. She has no clue whatsoever. And I said, I said, I said, hey, let's do this. I said, she can be, she can run first camera. And I said, but you have to work closely with her. And, and, and he was like, oh, yeah, yeah. He goes, you know, that, that sounds fine. But he's like, I'm tr- trust me, Dave. She is a natural. And all this stuff, she's phenomenal. But whatever. Let me tell you something, Alex. I saw her footage when, we were, when I was going back and I had all the footage and I'm mm-hmm. looking through it. I, I don't think the woman could see. I, I Got it. Colorblind. Was, Got it. Colorblind DP would, like an Ed Wood. Got it. Well, I, I would take it a step further. Um, framing was way off. And never, seen never, never, seen never seen a movie. Never seen a movie. Never seen a movie. Never seen a movie. I don't even think she even knew what a camera was. Got Sweet it. person, um, but framing was completely off. And I had to depend on my second camera guy, who I want to give a, just a quick shout out to. His name is Mike Biaselli. He is a, a gentleman and a scholar, and I will never say a bad word about him. He he is he toughed it out every day, mm-hmm. and he was one of the unsung heroes who helped me stay sane during this time. Got it. And uh, and he was awesome, like a rock. And I'm so glad he was a part of it. And um, and uh, basically, you know, as as we got through this day, I I was just like, you know, what else could come at me? You know, what else could come at me? So as we grinded out this day, a little problem here, a little problem there. Sure. Um, my producers backed out of a location and started arguing with me about a location. I said, guys, we're going to be there for ten minutes tops. That took time, and it it just us arguing with each other. And I'm like, I can't, I I just don't get this because so- I. I Oh, so, no, so, so when did the black swan show up? That was at the end of the day, at mm-hmm. the complete end of the day. Okay. So, uh, please explain that. Please explain <laughs> that. You have to. You can't just drop that bomb. Please explain <laughs> that. <laughs> One to the next story. No, but what happened was, uh, so it was. You know, we're finishing up for the day, 
we had a, we were behind schedule, obviously, as you can tell from these from from what I've been explaining about day two. So we're a little behind schedule, and I'm saying okay. And I was talking to some people, and I'm like, look, if we can just, you know, we're we're, we're just gonna chalk this up. I said, you know, to to a, a, a like a basically like a loss, and we're just gonna suck it up, and we're gonna do better tomorrow. You know, it, we can we can do better tomorrow, and we still have a little wiggle room because mm-hmm. I actually built in more time uh, on the schedule. She comes in. Dressed like the Black Swan in full makeup and Why? everything. Why? Why? Um, she got bored, and the makeup designer was like, "Hey, you know, I was practicing this or that." Oh and she my dre- god! I, I'm telling you, I was. She comes in and starts telling me how unprofessional today had been, right in front of everybody. As dressed as said, dressed as the as the Black Swan. And I said, "You're going to tell me this dressed as the Black Swan that I'm unprofessional?" And she goes, "Oh, this has nothing to do with that, Dave." And I honestly, re- I said, you're talking down to me in front of everybody. And since you want to, and, I, and she goes, I'm not talking down to you. And we started going at it. And I mean, oh, it was, so day three, I actually, no, and, and by the way, everyone wants to know what I said to them that night. And I said, look, I said, you guys have every, every win that we had on the first day, we lost the second day. I said, I don't know what, what happened. I don't know who's not talking to who. I said, but, and by the way, I was not this calm, by the way. Yeah, obviously. I was saying, <laughs> we, obviously. we have to communicate. We have to depend on each other because that's, that's what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. And I said, if there's any more BS, I'm going to can you in a heartbeat. And I said, please don't tempt me. And after this speech, suddenly everyone was working. The day, day three was actually productive. It was, an, and we actually had some like you know cool people stop by from different film sets, and they were like, "Hey, this, this, blah, blah, blah." So it was actually really, really interesting, and it was fun, and uh, it was a little. I mean, but and again, then again, anything was better than day two. So I, I mean, so so basically, as we were you know finishing up, we had to go another day. So we waited another week, and we actually filmed it uh, where I actually worked at at the time because mm-hmm. we just needed like a stock room and mm-hmm. some weird like uh, just some weird pickup shots. But other than that, that was it, and we got all that, and I had all the footage, and the editor who I had was going to you know edit all this together. Well, he uh, uh, the, we were going to have a, uh, a party, basically like a fundraising party slash launch party, and we're mm-hmm. going to put all this together. Well, he said, hey, I'm going to edit the trailer. I really want to edit that trailer. Mm-hmm. So as I gave him the footage, um, obviously I, I gave him a copy of the footage. Well, I said to him, hey, you know, when am I going to see this trailer? We're getting near to the launch party. And nothing, nothing. So the day of, I said, where the hell is this? And he never responded. Nothing. Um, I, I kept calling him. So I had to make one real quick on Premiere to bring there. Now, I want to also give a shout out to Rockstar, the guys, the the great people who make GTA. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually awarded me the key to Liberty City for mm-hmm. making this pilot. Okay. Um, I, I have it in a box in my room. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was so freaking cool, Alex. Uh, you know, I just, I don't know. I kind of geeked out for a second. You know? Sure, 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 but, sure. <laughs> Fair enough. You're, Fair probably, enough. you're probably like, oh, God, look at this nerd. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> Dude, I have a life-size Yoda in my house, in my room, oh, please. Oh, oh, man, what a geek. I know, oh, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but basically... All that happens, and and uh, you know I had this thing. I'm like, oh man, it's it's not gonna, you know, it's not too good or whatever. Well, that the you know the guy who was trying to say that I, you know, he owned part of it, he wanted to come and show his support for it, <laughs> and, I, and I said you, I, and he said he was gonna bring some people, and we and I said if you want to bring some, he brought three people, I brought eight million, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a usual. Because it's a little funny story too. He once told me that you know he he when we launched the crowdfunding campaign for Game Over, he never mentioned it once, right? 
Never mentioned it once. I sat there and I said, if you don't want, if he doesn't want to mention it, I really don't give a crap either way. Mm-hmm. Well, he told me in, a, in you know when he called me up one time that if he if he would mention it, it would get funded in a second. Mm-hmm. So I so I said okay. I said let's oh, put your money where your mouth is. I said mention it on your Facebook. Let's see it. Not one single person on his on his on, his, on, his, on his Facebook anything gave him one dollar, and I kept a, a list of every single sure sure sure. So, so it, was, it seems it seems to me, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but again, I'm just gonna I'm trying to put some perspective in this story. It seems to me that there's a a lot of uh, the delusions of grandeur with the people that are, were involved in this project. Not you, but everybody, like your producers and this people, just these guys who think that they're bigger than they who they are. Uh, and want to act like producers, but don't want to actually do the work. And I, I've I've run into these kind of people throughout my career, and it's one of the biggest mistakes filmmakers make, in the, especially in the early part of their careers, or just when they're inexperienced, that they they get bamboozled by these kind of human beings that are all about ego and you know they want to live the entourage lifestyle, but they don't want to do the work. Is that a fair uh, assessment? Um. I, I would say for one person, yes. Okay. Um, the other people, uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Mm. Um, I, I will say that. I, you know, because this was this was a, a different kind of project. See, that that's what I really want your listeners to gain was this wasn't like you know a, a lot of super inflated egos to begin with. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of actual people who were you know concerned and they wanted to make a good project. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. But it's the conflict of how to accomplish that. And, and, and you know, the, I, I only, only one person who I, I made the movie with was a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. We're still friends and we didn't have a blow up or anything. Um, but it, it's just like I, I, I did my best to make sure I had a, a great cast and crew. You know, some left, some came on, some, some I don't talk to anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, some I still talk to pretty much maybe every week. And, it, you know, it's just building that team and making sure that, you know, you, 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 it's kind of like what they say about the military. You don't go to war with the army that you want. You go to war with the army that you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get you. I get you. And and a lot of the soldiers were uh, subpar. <laughs> yeah, 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 they were, they were, they already looked like they've been through a war. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you had issues with actors as well and, and other crew people. I'm sure you have stories upon stories of, of that. But, I, I, I mean... It I just seems because I'm thinking about I'm like putting myself in your position and I'm like, mm-hmm. OK, what would I have done differently? And I think it was just uh, from my point of view, at least, it just seems like there was um, the team that you assembled definitely was not cohesive. And there was a lack of experience on the team. Like there wasn't a really experienced because no, no, no experienced producer would do what Black Swan did, like no one. Um, and, 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 you know, people don't sue for that. Like you don't do that kind of stuff, yeah. uh, when there's nothing, it's frivolous. It's just more about, I need something to do. So I'm going to go mess with these guys. Um, you know, it just seems, you know, I think it was a lot of it had to do with the casting of the team and being put together. Do you agree? Yes, I, I concur. It, it, it's about the scope of the project it's about expectations versus reality, and and just like you alluded to, Alex, it's ex, it's input versus output. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I've noticed that when there's two different film, kinds of filmmakers and, and two different kinds of people in every role, you're either focused on the input or you're focused on the output. 
Um, the people who are focused on the output are, I mean, you and I have both been there, Alex. I'm guilty of it too. I'm going to make, you know, whatever this movie is or whatever X is, and it's going to go to Sundance. We're going to win $10 million. <laughs> We're all going to move to Beverly Hills. Sure. We're all going to go into a jacuzzi, and that's, that's focused on the output. The people who focus on the input are all about, I'm just going to live to the next moment of mm-hmm. how I can make this better and this better and then this better. And then that's how, you know, all these really cool projects get made. And I, that, and that's what well, I've done my podcast too is, you know, I want to dig below that surface and find out how the heck did all these guys do this? How did the heck did these people do that? You know, and it just, you start to, you start to dig a little deeper and it is, there's like, you know, there's a couple of principles I can talk about right now. It's, it's building a team of people that you can trust it's, you know, if, if, and if there is any problem, people, you hire slow, you fire fast. Yep. And that is a key in all aspects of life. And, and honestly, ask for referrals. Uh, you know, now the internet is a lot different than it was in 2010. Um, just because, you know, social media is a lot, lot bigger. It's different. Actually, I should say it's different. Mm-hmm. And, and just because, you know, I can go on right now. I could say, okay, who's Alex Ferrari? Oh, well, he's the guy from Indie Film Hustle, this or that. And people can go on and say, hey, who's Dave Bullis? Oh, he hosts this crappy podcast nobody listens to. <laughs> and uh, and he, he made he's, a TV pilot nobody's ever seen. So, all right. But no, I, 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 he's, he's, he's being very, uh, very humble. His podcast is not crappy. Uh, but now people will actually see this, this, uh, this, this, this pilot. Um, so what, what happened in post-production? Please, please enlighten us on what, where the mistakes happened and what you should have done differently. Sure thing. So, so in post-production, I finally sat down to, to edit this thing myself. Again, I, I was speaking of the editor who just vanished. And basically, I started to edit this, and I actually was able to pitch it to some really cool people. And I'm a very good networker. I think that's one of the things that people usually pick up on because they usually ask, you know, how did you meet this person? How did you meet this person? It's because I, I, that's just a really good skill that I have. It's You're just, very lovable. Just, You're very lovable, Dave. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I try to use it to my advantage wherever I can. I, I tell people I'm a real-life George Costanza. Costanza. Mm-hmm. Alex, you there? I am. Go ahead. Okay, sorry. I thought I lost you there for a second. But uh, – but, um, Basically, you know, uh, I started editing myself, and I was able to pitch it to G4 right before they left um, because oh, I, G4, I, Chris yeah. Gore and G4, and they actually said to me, "This is exactly what we would have wanted." But we're actually going out of business and becoming the GQ channel. So uh, see you later, kid. Yeah, but um, and I also got to talk to Jennifer Grassani, um, who's a wonderful, wonderful person, by the way. And I actually, you know, talked to her about it, and she watched it and gave me a ton of tips. And she was like, look, she goes, if I were you, Dave, she goes, you can use this definitely as a way in to get like a, even like a manager or something because she goes, look, because you're actually out there doing stuff. See, and, and, and this is another thing that I've learned over the, over the years is people think that if they get a manager or an agent. It's mm-hmm. like immediate success. You know, they're going to be like, oh, I'm on, I'm going to easy streak now. That's just the first step in a long, long line because basically they want to, especially managers. They want to see you're actually doing something because managers are in it for the long haul. Agents are the quick sale. But if you're, if you're going to a manager and they're going to say, hey, listen, I'm going to work with Alex for the next three, four, five, ten years. I want to make sure he's actually out there doing stuff. He's motivated. He's, I'm not going to put all this time and effort into him. And he just turns around and goes, yeah, I don't really want to do this anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, or call up and be like, why haven't you gotten me work? 
So. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. And I think that's a that's a big that's a big mistake a lot of filmmakers uh, and actors and writers make. They think that an agent or a manager is, is the end all be all, but at the end of the day, they're just there to help. Sometimes it's all about you and every all the professionals that I talk to in the business. They're all about. Um, they're all about doing their own work and getting their own projects off the ground. And they said, my agent doesn't do anything. Uh, you know, he just hangs out and he, he ne- negotiates the deals that I get him. <laughs> but it's the yeah, truth. And, and it's like, yeah, because they, they think it's basically where the, the agent and the manager is constantly calling them. I'm like, hey, I got you an audition. I got you this. Yeah, I mean, there is some of that, obviously. But, I mean, it's not you, – you have to be out there, you know, putting your – you're putting the hammer to the ground. You know what I mean? And, and that's the that, – that's sort of what is what is missed a lot of times. Again – Focused on the output, not the input. So, what um, were there? Were there more threats, more lawsuit threats coming into uh, you in post production? No, um, not no. There was none. That was all gone. I actually ended up um, firing um, Black Swan producer. I ended up firing that guy too. And I said, "Look, I said if you want to go out and." And because he, here's the here's the thing with with as we go back to this contract thing, and this this is another thing I always tell people get contracts. When I gave him, a, I think it was a, a finally I gave him a contract. He didn't want it, and mm-hmm. and that was the first time. Second time, he said that that's when all this came out that I owed him all this, and I said no way. Third time, he took it to uh, uh, the most expensive law firm in Philadelphia, and they charged him five hundred bucks to read it, and then he just went off about how I was ripping him off. I was like, no, I no one told you to go to the most expensive law firm to ask about a contract reading. So basically, by by the end, I, we still never had a contract, and I just said, I don't owe you anything, and you know, if you want to sue me, go ahead and sue me. But you know, you're fired from the project, and that's the end of it. You don't own anything. You never have. You never will. And that was the end of that. So, so I have to ask this question. You were the boss, so you literally were – you've hired all these people, right? There was nobody – like none of these producers were putting their own money in. You weren't partners with them. You literally hired them? Yes. So why in God's green earth did you not just tell the black swan person, you don't talk to me like this on set. You're fired instantly. Like why didn't – why was that a thing? Like what she, what was she doing of any value? Um, well, to be honest with you – I should have fired her, mm-hmm. uh, and, and looking back, I should have fired her. I, I guess I was trying to sort of hold out hope that maybe she was having an episode of temporary insanity mm-hmm. or maybe that she just made a bad decision. And as it turns out, I made a mistake. I should have listened to my first decision and fired her right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of times where I should have fired people right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's kind of, you know, and again, if, even if you're making a project for free, contracts and don't be afraid to fire people and that's why you don't hire your friends because if you fire them alex you can still be friends with the people you know what i mean mm-hmm. so <laughs> you mm-hmm. don't want to hire your friends because if you fire them you're not gonna be friends anymore right right exactly so so you you try post-production a handful a couple times right to get it off the ground because it took you for how long did it take you to finish this project uh we're going on i, I think this is about six or seven years now oh my and what you shoot what you shoot on by the way uh, we actually had um, two Panasonic HVXs, I think, or maybe a little, maybe a little more. We actually, um, we actually had the, the the DP actually came with his all his own stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually doesn't work in the business anymore. He actually <laughs> sold it all off. All right. But um, but but he actually you know brought his own stuff. He 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 had came fully equipped, all that stuff. And um, you know, I mean, I think we, I think that's what we shot on. I could be completely wrong though. 
We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. But, uh, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, uh, the reason I eventually, cause, cause I actually came back to it. Uh, you know, I, I left it after the G four pitch. I I just sat on it and I'm like, ah, you know, well, about a year or two later, I actually was talking to an agent who wanted to talk to me and I, sh- I showed him this and he was, um, I guess I can say this. He was actually fired from his position. I'm not going to say his name or where he worked, but he mm-hmm. was fired shortly then after not by, not because he talked to me. <laughs> Am I, I'm afraid of being fired, but I don't have a boss. So I'm okay. Yeah. No, no, no. I was just saying, like, I, I, if you ever hear me tell a bad story, Alex, I always, I never tell the person's name. I always, I always tell, you know what I mean? I, I just, yeah. I always want people to learn because I don't, because I think if you tell someone's name. No, you shouldn't. That's it, not professional. Yeah. That's well, not professional. it's also because people don't listen to the story anymore. They're listening to the character. I, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to make sure people listen to like the moral of what I've learned. And I, and I always want to make sure that's what I come across as. I know it sounds negative sometimes when I'm like, oh, this guy sucks. But I never really mentioned I, – I, I hardly ever, rarely any, mention anyone's names. And basically, um, he, he basically was like, hey, listen, don't put this up anywhere. They're going to steal your idea because you never know who's out there. I oh, said, geez. oh, okay. Where was, I, was this an L.A. agent? Yeah. He was actually for the biggest firm out in L.A. Oh, God. I mean because that – all right. Go ahead. So about it. So another year later, I talked to a, another marketing person, and she's actually pretty big in the film industry. And she's like, "Dave, put it up, just get it out there." I waited in about another year or so, and I was doing other projects at this time too, mm-hmm. which I could I could always come back and talk about more failures. By the way, Alex, mm-hmm. so- <laughs> <laughs> I think we're good right now, sir. You've been more than honest and more than more than helpful so far in this episode. So. I mean, we could, you could just start a whole other podcast like Dave Bullis' you know, failed projects, you know, the podcast. It, it would be 200 episodes. Right Easy. Yeah. You yeah. know what? I'd, I'd, have a, I'd have a handful of episodes there myself, sir. <laughs> so, Every episode, me just pouring a bottle out, you know, just pouring a little glass of Jim Beam. Can or you Jim imagine Beam that? Knows. Yeah. I could, and then this bitch, she showed up just like flan. It's crazy. I said, bitch, you ain't there there, Rothke. Anyway, sorry. That was, that was the comedy for this episode, everyone. Thank you for listening. So I want to go back to um, – I want to go through every stage of the production and I want you mm-hmm. to know what you think the biggest mistakes you made and the things that you, would, you should have done instead. So in pre-production, okay. what was the biggest mistake you made? What should you have done differently? Biggest mistake was um, not making sure everyone had a contract. Mm-hmm. Nobody comes on to set anything I've ever done since without signing an ironclad contract. Mm-hmm. Um, because we had an LLC. We had an insurance bond. We had all that other stuff taken care of. Mm-hmm. But that was the big part. That was the biggest, biggest problem. Okay. Now, production. What was the biggest and what was the thing you would change? Firing people fast, um, that, was, that would be the definite big thing. And making sure that everybody is on the same page, even if you have to turn to a micromanager sometimes, mm-hmm. it's, you know, as long as you kill people with kindness and just, you know, if you're not yelling at people, it, you know, you don't need to, pe- people respond to respect. People remember how you treated them. Uh, I, that's why I always try to treat people with, you know, fairness and kindness and always try, try to crack jokes, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and th- that's what I, I would have done, though, is I would have fired people a lot faster. Now in post-production. Post-production, I would have – I really would have basically tried to, tried to find another editor quick, more quickly. And I also would have 
push myself a little more to do a little things a little differently, uh, including obviously getting the editor, um, getting it out there, talking to more marketing people. And uh, I, I think if I had put this on YouTube, maybe back then, I would have had an audience mm-hmm. right now just building it from something. And because, I mean, not to sort of segue off into this, but I just want to tell you a really quick um, little anecdote. When, when I talk to other producers about this, they always said, hey, Dave, you know, it's, a, it's a cool idea. You know, why don't you just take it and, and try to put it in one location, like one episode's in some guy's basement, one guy's mm-hmm. here. And I said, the set is so expensive, I can't afford to keep it up. So after it was after we're done filming, I was like, I, I have to bulldoze this thing. And it sucks, but that's just the way things are. And, you know, they said, well, can't you film at someone at someone else's house, do this or that? I said, believe me, I thought of this out of every angle you could think of. Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't going to be at that production level that I wanted it to be at. And in distribution and finishing the, and marketing the project, what would you have done differently? Uh, I would have just put it up earlier. I, I kind of uh, just alluded to this in the question before. Uh, in the, but honestly, if you have a movie out there, and, and there's a ton of movies that I know of that friends of mine have made that are sitting on some guy's hard drive, mm-hmm. my advice is this. Do yourself a favor. Go watch a movie called American Movie. Oh, so good. <laughs> so good. So good. That one in Overnight. Those two. Oh, oh, that's a good, good double feature, man. Oh, that's a really good double feature. If that doesn't scare the hell out of you from being a filmmaker, I don't know what will. <laughs> I mean, I mean, my God, I mean, he had the world by the balls, and he just destroyed. This it. is I overnight, mean, and I'll yeah, put yeah, yeah. I'll put links to both of these in the in the show notes, guys. Overnights is about Troy Duffy, uh, a director uh, who basically was given the key to Hollywood, and he completely, literally screwed the pooch. Uh, I did an entire post and I have a whole thing about that that uh, article about that. And then American Movie, though, please tell them a little bit about that movie because that is it's so brilliant. So American Movie is is actually a documentary where by this um, by this guy named Chris. I forget his last name. I'm I'm sorry, but I, but he was actually the director following Mark uh, Borshek and his friend uh, Mike as they they try to finish this movie this this short film they did called Coven, and it took them two years to make this. And you, you find out, you know, like, why the hell does it take two years to make a movie? Well, it's because of stuff like this. And, you know, Alex, I, I, that all happens in the movie. And it's like I always tell people, you know, when you when you start making a movie or writing a script, there's that there's the honeymoon phase <laughs> and that and that starts to fade. And, and, and then you, you'll be, you're going to be on set. And you're going to say, what the hell am I doing here? And that's that. And then you're going to get to the rocky parts, those hard parts that you face those really difficult situations and how things start to get tougher, that is life testing you out to make sure you really want to do this. Um, <laughs> if you ever get a chance, read a book called Resistance by Stephen Pressfield. I'm sorry, yeah. uh, The Art of War by Stephen Pressfield. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I did a whole episode on that. The War of Art. Really? The War of Art. Yeah, did I say War? Did yeah. I say Art of War? Yeah, The War of Art. That's, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's Sun Tzu. Yeah, The War <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, the War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. It is brilliant. I read it one time, Alex, mm-hmm. at a really bad part. To, uh, I was really just down about different things at, at that point in time in my life, and I read it and I said, "This man is a genius, a mm-hmm. literal oracle giving advice from the top of the hill." And I reread the book as soon as I was done with it, and I said, there, "This is exactly what I've been trying to say for years." Mm-hmm. He actually articulated it and put it into a book. Um, I actually got to meet him one time. Mm, phenomenal cool. guy. Oh, that must um, be amazing. Yeah, I read. I did the same thing. I did that one, and then the his sequel, "Do the Work," which also yeah. great as well. No, he's Stephen Pressfield is amazing. Absolutely, I actually, amazing. I actually have all four of his books on writing, um, which is you know, "Do the Work," "Turning Pro." 
Um, and then the other one is um, it's like I think it's called just Fool's Cap, which is about mm-hmm. writing the legend of Bagger Vance. But um, you know, Stephen actually one time went to went to on Oprah's show on her on her network, mm-hmm. and he got to go to her private island mm-hmm. in Hawaii. Of course, and and uh, he gets a boat ride there, and everyone on this island works for Oprah, and it's <laughs> her private. <laughs> It's a private beach. Everyone there works for her. She owns everything you see there. It's all her property. And Stephen was like, it, it was like surreal. It was like visiting a, a, a member fantasy of the island. family. Yeah, it's, yeah, fa- it's, it's fantasy like, island. It's fantasy island. <laughs> it just, you know, I'm Oprah. We're, you're on my network, on my show, on my island. This is it. It's like, my God, this, this woman has it made. Yeah, well, I mean, it took her a few years to get there. Uh, without <laughs> Dave Chappelle had the right idea. Yeah, exactly. It took a few years <laughs> to get there. So, um, what is honestly what was the biggest takeaway from this entire experience for you? Uh, who I can trust and what I have to ask people, like what I know now, what to look for. And I've taken this. I, I've honestly taken all my advice and I've actually used it um, since then. I've been, I get pitched a lot of projects, Alex, mm-hmm. and I'm not. I'm not trying to sound, you know, like I'm anything, you know, major or anything like that. I'm not, but I get pitched projects all the time, and I always turn them down mm-hmm. because I can tell you one of a couple of things. Number one is, I can tell from from the gate if if you really are sincere about this project and and what you what you expect from me. I mean, that, that's a big part of this. So when people go up, to, you know, and I, I ask them, you know, what do you think a producer does? You know, what do you think a director of cinematography does? And you really start to understand, you know, get people's how they work, you know, that flow of how they work. And most of the time, Alex, they come up to me and they're like, well, hey, look, you got all these connections, you got all this, um, you know, you come on and, uh, you know, and you're going to be our producer. And I'm like, so basically, I'm just shepherding you along. And then when, and then, and then you get all the, all the glory and I'm all the guts. No mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got it. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Now, what um, what advice would you give a filmmaker just starting out in the business? Don't do it. <laughs> no, no, I'll give you a sec. Honestly, watch movies, and this is something that that nobody else really talks about. But I'm I'm going to give this piece of advice: watch movies that you could make right now. And what I mean by that is watch Coven by Mark Bushett that I actually mentioned. Uh, watch uh, Paranormal Activity by Oren Patelli. Uh, hell, Friday the 13th, part one. Yeah, the Duplass brothers, the Swanbergs yeah, of the world, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and watch these movies and, and say, you know, how did they do this for such a minimal budget? How did they do this stuff? Uh, I, and that's really what you should be focused on. Nobody should really watch movies like, um, uh, I don't know, uh, in, in Inception and go, yep, you know, you know what, I'm going to make Inception next weekend with my friends. We're all going to do this <laughs> thing and it's going to be great and we're going to Sundance. We're going to make $10 million and, I mean, it's just... Move to Beverly Hills, get Beverly the hot Hills, tub, and we're good. Yep, that's, that's, that's it, man. The mansion and the hot tub. That's it. <laughs> now, what's the lesson that took you the longest to learn, whether in the film business or in life? Um, patience. That's that's yeah. it, man. And yeah. uh, it's a, it's yeah. it's a cruel mistress, and I don't. And honestly, man, it, it, things always take longer than you think they're going to take. Even stuff that are sl- even stuff that slam dunks, like uh, you know, just something goes wrong. You have to go in with the best of intentions. 
you know, whether, you know, you subscribe to the method of the secret or whatever. But, you know, imagine, you know, you got to attract the best, but you got to really prepare for the worst just in case it's going to happen because it probably will because you're making a movie. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> just so always be ready for, for anything that's going to happen. I mean, that, that patience is, is key because if you take a little longer to make a movie, you might make a you're, you're probably going to make a better movie. Right. Um, you, you know, and now what I've done is I've actually stopped making things altogether um, just because I got frustrated and I, I, you know, basically I just went back into screenwriting, as you know, and I just basically said, I want to be able to do a lot more and get better at screenwriting. So that way, when I do go out and do other projects, I'm a much, much better screenwriter. Um, because the producing and networking part, again, I don't mean to toot my own horn, but I'm, I'm actually really, really good at that stuff. Mm-hmm. Got just it. naturally, you know, and it's just, but, but patience is really the key stuff. What are three of your favorite films of all time? Ooh, three of my favorite films of all time. I'm going to say Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> genius! <laughs> genius! I am going to say Zodiac. Ah, genius and, as well. And I'm going to say Dumb and Dumber. Really? Dumb and Dumber, huh? Yep. And if there's a bonus one, I, my favorite movie of all time is Big Trouble in Little China. Well, that's just, I mean, of course. Yes. <laughs> I mean, of course, you have, you have to put that in the list. Um Man, I, I can't even tell you uh, what a blessing it's been to have you on the show, Dave, and and you sharing your your you're being so honest and brutal with yourself, and 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 honest with the with the the tribe, and and really just uh, exposing yourself, and not in that weird, creepy way, but in a really good, honest way that shows. Um, you know, your failings in this project and we've all gone through them. I've gone through them. I've spoken about them publicly uh, many times. Uh, you know, you have to fail and you have to fail often to make it in this business and get those failures out of the way as fast as possible. So that way you can, can learn from them and move on and just keep going. And, uh, and, and I'm so grateful that you decided to come on my show and, and kind of share uh, this whole journey with you. And, I, and look, I know a lot of people listening have similar journeys, have gone through this. You know, it's not, you know, this is not a unicorn story, unfortunately. This happens often. It happens daily. Anywhere, everywhere around the world, there's always something like this going on. But uh, hopefully the tribe learned uh, a little something from uh, the mistakes you made along the way. Uh, and <laughs> as you have, as you have along the, on, yeah. along the way as well. So, um, where can people find you online, uh, your websites, all that kind of good stuff? Uh, you can find me at DaveBullis.com and Twitter. It's at Dave underscore Bullis. Um, if anyone listening ever wants to reach out to me just to say, hey, I really hated your episode on Alex Ferrari's podcast, please feel free. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I'm going to be putting Game Over up online. If you want to check it out, if you're curious, if you want to ask questions, if you have questions about your project, honestly, please feel free to ask me. Um, there's a ton of other stuff that I, I could give you info about, um, like how I found locations, um, all, all that good stuff. And uh, Alex, I honestly, I want to say thank you. I really, truly do. Um, your podcast, it, it's awesome. It was like a, it's like a meteor, man. It's like flying <laughs> through the atmosphere, and and you know, I, I'm that guy like looking at it through the uh, telescope, like, hey, look at that, man. That's amazing. <laughs> I but, appreciate <laughs> that very much, brother. I, I really do. And and by the time this thing airs, we'll have a link. Uh, or actually, the video, uh, the the pilot embedded in the uh, in the uh, show notes by the time this airs. So, uh, so hopefully, everybody will get to see this uh, this amazing piece of cinema and uh, and see what um, no and, and see what what come what came out of this man. And and you know what you did, but you, you know what the big thing that you did, man, is you went out and you did it. Whether you made it and it, you you made something 
And whether it lived up to your expectations or not, that's irrelevant. The point is that you went out, you did, you moved. And that's 99% more than most in this business. So you should be very proud of that accomplishment alone that you went into battle. Many people are afraid to even get out of their house uh, and, and, and go into the battlefield, let alone going straight into the battle <laughs> and living there for many years. So congratulations on that accomplishment, sir. Thank you, Alex. I, I really do appreciate that. And thanks for being on the show, brother. My pleasure, Alex. Take care, buddy. Again, I want to thank Dave for coming on the show and literally just putting himself out there. So thank you, Dave, so, so much. I, I hope everybody listening and everyone in the tribe has learned what not to do when shooting a television pilot. But like I said before, a lot of the stuff that we talked about can easily be transferred over to feature films, short films, uh, series, as well as commercials or music videos or anything, anything that deals with production. A lot of these mistakes can be avoided. So I hope you learned something again, Dave. Thank you very much. Now, if you want to watch the actual pilot for Game Over, head over to the show notes at IndieFilmHustle.com forward slash 189 and enjoy it in all of its glory. And guys, yesterday was a big day. This is Meg is now on Hulu in the U.S. So if you guys have Hulu, please go and watch it. Leave us a review on Hulu. That would be huge. We're there going to be there for a year. We got a 12-month deal. And depending on how many people watch it and leave reviews and all sorts of good stuff, we'll determine if we get picked up again for another 12 months. So please check it out. I really appreciate it. And as always, keep that hustle going. Keep that dream alive. And I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Indie Film Hustle podcast at IndieFilmHustle.com. That's I-N-D-I-E-F-I-L-M-H-U-S-T-L-E.com. 